Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, July 29th. In today's news, President Trump promotes a video full of false COVID claims from a doctor who says demons cause illness. The Senate coronavirus bill includes hundreds of millions in military spending to backfill what Trump took for his wall. And Russia aggressively spreads virus disinformation as Europe sees a second wave of new cases. But first, the big idea. New coronavirus cases in this country are on the rise in the Midwest as they're finally ebbing in the Sun Belt. Tony Fauci, the government's leading infectious disease expert, warned yesterday that positive coronavirus tests are rising in Ohio, Indiana, Tennessee, and Kentucky as the number of new cases is showing signs of leveling off in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and California. A few hours later, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, a Republican, said Fauci's appraisal was correct. He announced new limits on county fairs, barring grandstand events, rides, and games. He noted that emergency room visits are decreasing and new cases have plateaued, but hospitalizations are on the upswing. Stressing the highly infectious nature of the virus, DeWine said at a televised briefing that four people recently took a 40-minute car ride to an Ohio lake. One person in the car had the virus but didn't know it. Within days, 10 people were sick, with two hospitalized and in intensive care, and three businesses had to be temporarily shuttered. In Columbus, the city council approved a law requiring bars and restaurants to close at 10 p.m. every night. Ohio State University told season ticket holders that any football games this year at their stadium will be at 20% capacity and tailgating won't be allowed. DeWine, who imposed a mask mandate two weeks ago, said two of his best friends have now contracted the disease and one has died. Another member of his cabinet, the director of the Ohio prison system, also announced that she has tested positive for the virus. Fresh restrictions are being imposed elsewhere across the country. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir, a Democrat, announced that bars will be shut down for two weeks and that indoor restaurant dining will be restricted to 25% capacity. He recommended schools postpone in-person instruction until late August at the earliest. In Virginia, Democratic Governor Ralph Northam announced new restrictions on restaurants and gathering in the Hampton Roads area as cases rise there. Nationwide, the number of cases appears to have leveled off to a seven-day moving average of around 66,000 daily new cases. The slight decline registered yesterday followed five weeks of steadily rising numbers. At least 4.3 million cases have been reported in the U.S. now, with more than 54,000 added to the tally on Monday. More than 1,000 new fatalities were recorded yesterday, raising the U.S. death toll to more than 145,000. This virus is impacting every aspect of life. Baseball is supposed to be an escape from the burdens of everyday life, but it's become a metaphor for our country's collective failure to control the contagion. The Miami Marlins outbreak has now forced Major League Baseball to reshuffle the schedule of five different teams. The Marlins, who have seen fully half of their 30-man roster test positive in the past five days, have been shut down through Sunday, and the Philadelphia Phillies, who had hosted the Marlins for three games over the weekend, have been shut down through Thursday night. Meanwhile, the Yankees, who are expecting to play the Phillies in New York on Wednesday and Thursday, will travel instead now to Baltimore to play the Orioles on those days as the league moved to keep as many teams playing as possible. The Orioles were previously scheduled to host the Marlins on Wednesday and Thursday. Four scheduled games for Monday and Tuesday featuring Baltimore at Miami and New York at Philadelphia were previously postponed. 
The bottom line is that the Marlins shutdown has avoided a clash for now between the league and the Washington Nationals, whose players voted nearly unanimously at a team meeting on Monday against playing in Miami against the Marlins this weekend in their scheduled series. That's now been postponed, meaning that Washington gets the weekend off. It was unclear and may remain so whether the Nationals were willing to go so far as to boycott the series had the league insisted they play. With a total of 11 postponements so far, and with an already compressed schedule that makes it difficult, if not impossible, to make them all up, it appears increasingly probable that some teams could play fewer than 60 games, in which case the league would probably determine division standings and playoff spots by winning percentage rather than the number of games won. That would be similar to what they did during the strike-shortened 1981 season in which some teams played as many as 111 games and some played as few as 103. It's a mess. And football is as well. New England Patriots linebacker Dante Hightower just became the latest NFL star to opt out of playing this coming season. The two-time Pro Bowl selectee and a three-time Super Bowl winner over eight seasons with New England is one of the more accomplished players to choose against playing this season as teams open training camps. The 30-year-old had a son born this month, and he said, quote, I'm more concerned with the health of my family than football. And the American Federation of Teachers Union released a resolution yesterday threatening to strike as a last resort if schools reopen too soon. The executive council of the 1.7 million member union approved the resolution, which gives local affiliates across the country authorization to stage strikes, even as Trump and Education Secretary Betsy DeVos push schools to fully reopen. Some small districts in Tennessee, Mississippi, and other states have already started the school year with in-person learning, but major school districts have opted to start online because of spiking COVID infections. Randy Weingarten, the president of the teachers union, noted that Trump canceled the Republican convention in Jacksonville, scheduled for August, because of skyrocketing COVID cases in that state, yet still insists that schools there open, as does the governor. She said it's hypocritical to protect Republican delegates, but not the local school children or their teachers. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, Trump shared a video yesterday that was full of false claims about COVID-19, and a doctor featured in it has said repeatedly that demons cause illnesses. It turns out that Stella Emanuel has a history of making particularly outlandish statements, including that the uterine disorder endometriosis is caused by people having sexual intercourse with demons and witches in their dreams. The video shared by Trump and his son multiple times showed a group that has dubbed itself America's frontline doctors standing on the steps of the Supreme Court and claiming that neither masks nor shutdowns are necessary to fight the pandemic, despite a plethora of expertise to the contrary. It was live streamed by the conservative media outfit Breitbart and viewed more than 14 million times. Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter have now removed the various iterations of the video because it violates their misinformation policies. Emanuel has asserted that most gynecological issues are the result of having sex with witches and demons, including infertility, miscarriages, and STIs. She also says that there's an Illuminati plan hatched by a witch to destroy the world using abortion, gay marriage, and children's toys, among other things. She's claimed that DNA from space aliens is currently being used in medicine. Now, Trump was asked about this at a news conference last night, and he addressed the video saying, quote, I think they're very respected doctors. There was a woman who was spectacular. During that same news conference, Trump also grumbled that he is not as popular as Fauci. 
Number two, during the same news conference, Trump brushed off the $1 trillion Senate GOP coronavirus relief proposal as, quote, sort of semi-irrelevant. Meanwhile, at the Capitol, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell disavowed a key Trump priority in the bill, funding a new FBI headquarters next to his hotel to prevent competition from going there. If the wheels were not entirely off on Tuesday, negotiations were definitely not off to a great start. Democratic leaders accused McConnell of not wanting a deal at all. One Republican senator called the new GOP bill a total mess. Democratic leaders balked at a five-year liability shield included in the GOP plan aimed at protecting companies and schools and others from lawsuits for five years from anyone who becomes ill from the virus. McConnell described that as his one red line in the talks. Another element that's getting a lot of attention now is that the draft Republican proposal includes hundreds of millions of dollars in military spending to backfill what Trump took away from the Pentagon for the border wall, which Congress refuses to fund. Projects involving Navy aircraft and ships and Air Force planes that Trump canceled this year so he could spend money for wall construction have reappeared in the package. The programs are part of $30 billion in defense spending in the coronavirus relief bill. Democrats are objecting to all of it. Senate Republicans led by Appropriations Committee Chairman Dick Shelby from Alabama have taken the opportunity presented by the coronavirus package to restore spending for their politically favored programs. For example, Trump zeroed out a $261 million account for the Navy's expeditionary fast transport ship. This coronavirus bill would put $260 million back into the program. Now, the reason why it's a priority for Shelby is that the ships are built in his home state of Alabama. Public transportation providers, including D.C.'s metro system, sounded a unified alarm yesterday after the Senate bill excluded transit from its proposal. Transit leaders warned that this would result in catastrophic service cuts and layoffs. The GOP bill also does not extend pandemic food stamps, even as it doubles the three martini lunch deduction. Number three, Russian intelligence services are using a trio of English language websites to aggressively spread disinformation about the coronavirus pandemic, seeking to exploit this crisis ahead of the November elections. U.S. government officials tell the Associated Press that two Russians who have held senior roles in Moscow's military intelligence service known as the GRU have been identified as the ringleaders of this disinformation effort meant to reach American and Western audiences. This information has been classified, but these sources say they're sending the alarm to expose the clear link between this effort and Russian intelligence. Meanwhile, several European countries that had their outbreaks under control are seeing a new rise in cases. A spike in infections has led Belgium to ramp up restrictions on social contact. Spain has closed gyms and nightclubs in Barcelona. German health officials have called a rise in infections over the past two weeks deeply concerning. On the tree-lined streets of Brussels, masks have been a rare sight. In Berlin, famous for its pre-pandemic 24-hour party scene, police are struggling to break up crowds of revelers who gather in parks for illicit dance parties. Spanish nightclubs and beaches are brimming with vacationers. That said, the number of new cases over there is still far below what European countries saw during the peak of the outbreaks and even farther below what we're seeing now in the United States. There's some debate over there about whether this is the first wave or the beginning of the second wave. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said it's a second wave as he issued a new advisory against any non-essential travel to Spain, where Catalonia has reemerged as a hotspot with thousands of new cases. Meanwhile, the president of Belarus has been diagnosed with COVID-19. This is notable because he has previously argued 
that drinking 50 milliliters of vodka each day could protect people from getting the virus. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, July 29th. Thanks as always for listening. I'm James Holman. Stay safe. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.